at least we're not boiling and not like dripping with sweat. No, I know. So yeah, both you're seeing both Hero and I in a completely different environment, both of us, <laughs> because we both live in um, British Columbia, Canada, and pretty much all of BC, our province, has been going through an incredible heat wave, or what they're calling it, which is the first time I've heard this term, is a heat dome. Yeah, heat dome, because it's covering such a huge area. Yeah, so it's uh, basically, um, for folks that are living in Canada and or other countries that know Celsius, it's been where I live, it's to yesterday got up to 47. Jesus. 40, I think Jesus. is 15 yeah ish yeah unheard of and if i'm wearing i'm wearing something now it's like kind of a sweater because i was able to go to my friend's place that has ac but we don't have ac so and also in vancouver where hero hero lives which is unprecedented for the west coast living on the water and it's like a temperate rainforest essentially has yeah. it's just if you thought okay don't even get me started about climate change like if you thought it didn't exist just, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's been absolutely insane. And I have AC and it has worked all the time, but because it is so hot and including the amperage in what the outlets are in, in the apartment that I live in, it's oh. unable, unless I get a heavy duty cable to ground the electricity the air conditioner is already working so hard just to keep the the atmosphere whatever from that without blowing up well and there's so many like so many things because so many people um don't have ac in in bc there's yeah lots of people are either going to people's homes that do have air conditioning or trying to find mm -hmm. you know a place to just chill at the beach and the water like whatever it may be um yeah. You know, lots of, I, I think about even like, I mean, mother nature, like animals, you know, not domestic animal or not um, house animals, I should say, but other animals out there, do they survive okay? <laughs> no, I don't think they do. Unless if their owner is able to provide them the hydration, the shade and the comfort that they need to actually adapt because, you know, that's that's that you know they don't have the ability to i should have said more specifically wild animals yeah because wild animals in our area are not used to this either necessarily mm -hmm. right. right no it's true they're not they're not so i wonder i mean if the if the canadian geese suffer then hey then they suffer they can afford to suffer but the other, but you know, I don't want like the beavers to suffer. I don't want the, well, the pigeons can suffer too, you know, but there, there's, there's a, only a few kind of species that would be like, I hope that these, you know, there's less of these when the seat wave is done. Terrible. <laughs> oh I know. Oh my God. I know. It's well, so terrible. Yeah. So that's why you're seeing we're both in totally different places. That's, that's not my certificate on the wall there. That's my no. girlfriend. And that's my and that's my mother's beautiful artwork in the back as well. She has uh, her the layout of her environment is a little bit more conducive to regulating temperature inside. Yeah, so. 
That's so good. Yeah. So I guess because we had a little bit of a late start today, just because we were both trying to get our um, Wi-Fi and yeah. stuff in. Um, do you want to tell everyone whom we have coming on very shortly? Fingers. Yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. So we have the winner of the recent season of Hell's Kitchen, season 19, because um, the current season now is uh, season... Um, is it 19? No, season... Sorry, season 18's winner and current season, season 19, Young Guns. So before this season. No, season 19, she won. Corey won season 19. So we're watching season 20. Oh, God, I'm sorry. He... <laughs> Brain part. part. We have season 19 winner of Hell's Kitchen, Chef Corey Sutton, joining us today. And Rachel and myself are really excited to be able to have a kind of a relationship with some of the alumni of Hell's Kitchen, um, like Chef Nick and Mary Lou, um, which has been really, and Christina, which has been really amazing. And Corey being the winner of the most wrapped season, uh, me and Rachel are really curious to talk to her about how she's been doing since that has happened and the transition into working for Gordon Ramsay um, in the Newhouse Kitchen restaurant, as well as the fact that she is the creator of her own salsa company, um, which is super awesome as well. And I think that it was kind of teased on the show as well. Um, they had a, like a challenge and she created that. So I'm wondering if that's from the show or if it was something she had in mind from before and it just got that exposure on the, on the show broadcast and she could take it and develop it. But Corey just seems to be a very, you know, down to earth, real human being and uh, very talented in what she does. And I'm really excited for us to learn more about how she's been doing and what she's been up to and how she's surviving through the pandemic and just going through the process yeah because i think that she so and you can still hear me right yeah okay good my i my connection's been kind of wonky um and there she is yes there she is connecting the audio hello hi how are you good how are you good are you upside down (laughs) (laughs) you're all good Okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> You're all good. How are you? We were just um, giving a little introduction about you and um, what we wanted to do is also let you introduce yourself and anything that we may have missed. Um, winner of Hell's Kitchen and uh, Salsa Maven and just awesome boss woman and just what we of course understand what we know we've seen of you on the show and what we've read about you but we wanted to give you a chance to introduce, your, introduce yourself. Um, yeah, well, yes. So yes to everything you just said. (laughs) Um, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, just kind of, you know, born here in LA, raised in Mexico. Um, obviously, you know, single mom of an amazing 15 year old child who's about 18 feet tall right about now. Um, but yeah, you know, just like here in LA right now, just trying to do this salsa thing and get this cookbook kind of thing going at the same time. And just, just to see where, this next venture will take me after, you know, Hell's Kitchen. So it's, it's exciting. It's um, kind of nerve wracking. It's a little, you know, I mean, you're going into, you know, your forties and it's just like, I'm starting over again and I'm starting to do things and you're just like, you know, am I doing it too late, too early? Can I do, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of, you know, going through all that right now. So. 
Oh, I can relate to that, Corey. I'm, I'm probably, I feel like I'm about the same age as you then. Cause I, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, especially throughout the pandemic, I think a lot of people were kind of reinventing themselves as well. And at all ages, right? All ages. So exactly. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you're, are you in a, are you in a hotel? No. <laughs> yeah, we had to come down to San Diego where, for a couple days, so we're here right now. There you go. There you go. I mean, me and Rachel were just talking about, I don't know if it's caught into the news on your side, but like we have a heat dome, not a heat wave, we have a heat dome in BC right now in the Western Canada because it's like 115 degrees um, Fahrenheit. And wow. our temperatures have never gone that high in ever in Canada, like ever. Like if it hits a hundred, we're, we're shocked. Like, wow. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> I don't feel for you right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. That's fine. But like, that's why Rachel was wondering, like, are you in a hotel? And if you are, like, probably on vacation and just enjoying the fact that travel is probably more open now, up now in the states. I would assume. I mean, it hasn't. It hasn't. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, it's really restricted in certain areas still. Um, and of course, you know, I'm always taking precautions just in case because you just never know. Um, so I'm looking forward to start traveling outside of the United States here pretty mm -hmm. soon. Right. Um, we're still kind of just kind of, we're going to see how the summer goes before we start really, you know, booking trips outside the country and eating our way through, you know, the world again. Yes, absolutely. And so again, so what we tend to do on our show is that we've noticed we tend to get to know the person behind how people might perceive them, how they might know them for how the, the general public might have gotten to know them, and kind of eventually return to that point of how they are what they're doing now. Um, so if you're open to that, like, how has it been currently since, you know, you now have publicly been shown that you are the winner of house kitchen you are still in a pandemic but recorded the show before that happened so that is also very interesting how are you doing right now and kind of what has the aftermath been of the publicity and the fact that now everything has been um has been publicized you know it's weird because i mean it's been almost what three years now you yeah. know, like it's, it's, if you will stop and think that's, that's a long time for it to like set in and realize and then go through that and then being able to actually finally see yourself on live television, um, with your friends and family. So that was, right. that was just, you know, completely just mind blowing. Um, and then lately, I mean, with, like, with everything still closed, there hasn't been a lot of like crazy publicity you know what i mean but there's been stuff like sure. on instagram on on like facebook and like the internet and stuff but not like interaction yeah um so done like a lot of zooms interviews and you know i did a wine tasting with castillo del diablo so it's been a lot of like virtual stuff and not right. like actual talking and interviewing people yes um so it's it's almost bittersweet still. So I'm still kind of like trying to see what will happen in the next few months once everything does start to open up. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens and what goes on and what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Well, for sure. And then as far as the contract and then, of course, the prize and everything, is that like, are you going to be the head chef of the restaurant as well? Is that in place? 
So, well, because of the pandemic and everything going on, it didn't quite work out as best as both of us kind of wanted. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to currently stay here in LA for right now. And then hopefully be able to do like, um, you know, pop-ups and do like stuff back and forth and just kind of go from there and see what happens. It's fair. I mean, it's unprecedented, right? Yeah. It, and it's just like I said, with having my son and the huge move and just not really knowing nothing really being open, everything being virtual still and not knowing what next year's, you know, high school is going to bring. It was just kind of smarter for me to stay in LA just for a little bit longer, just to kind of see what the future could bring. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Of course, you've got a child. Yeah. It's really important so to understand that. Go ahead, Rachel. I don't know. I feel like my internet is so shit right now. <laughs> Where I am, this is this is not normally what we do. It, like I said, it's been like, because uh, I have no air conditioning. And so we both, I don't know if Hero explained that. We both are like at, oh, in our typical, not in our typical places. Like it's literally, um, I think today where I'm at, it's yesterday it was 100, almost 120, 120. Wow. You, if you have no air conditioning, if you have no air conditioning, like it's anyway, so we're a little discombobulated. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what am I going to say? Yeah. So mama, uh, Corey salsa. So was that something that you, I feel like that was maybe something in the works for a while or was that where, how did that come about? Yeah, it has kind of been in the works for a while. Um, I've had like salsa ideas and this, these, I've had this one salsa that I've had for, ever um and people are always oh my god you got you got a bottle you got a bottle i'm like okay yeah yeah whatever but mm -hmm. then i started hearing it from people that i didn't know people that weren't like biased towards it you know and i'm just like huh well maybe this does have something to it and then of course the other green salsa is the salsa that my grandmother used to make um for years so it's kind of like well we'll shoot with this you know platform that i've got right now with everything i've got going on i might as well just jump on it and just ride with it because Salsa is one of those things where everybody can put everything on it. And being in mm -hmm. Southern California, everybody loves Mexican food anyways. So I might as well just, you know, write it and see what happens. So we're excited. I've got the two salsas coming out and then of course some rubs, some marinades. Like I have like a process of like a line of what I want, what yes. I want to do. Amazing. Amazing. And how is that being manufactured and, and, and produced? Um, so what we're, we're planning on doing is obviously when everything opens up completely, I'll be able to actually go into the actual co-packing process and mass produce it. But for right now, we're going to do it kind of small. We're going to start out with an open sale on the internet just to kind of get it going and then go from there. Phenomenal. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. It, it takes a lot of steps to get to that point of actually creating a product and then also finding a way to do it in a way where it's sustainable and that it meets the ethics of who you are and those recipes that are really important to your history of your family and your ancestry. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where it's just like, people think, oh, it's just a salsa, throw it in a jar and go. It's like, you don't understand that there's a process and there's things you have to like change so that it could last longer and not be like, you know, open up one day and it's gone, then, you know, rotten or whatever. So there's a lot of like little processes to go through and make sure that it's, you know, sustainable and it looks good in the jar, the packaging is good. So it's a whole process, but we're, we're excited. We're like, we're definitely getting it up and running and we're definitely getting it, you know, to where it needs to be. So I'm, I'm truly excited. That's awesome. Okay. I need to ask then 
if you're talking about a recipe that was like passed down to you, how did you get into cooking? And was that something that was also passed down to you or what, what's your, you know, tell us about kind of how you got into what you're doing right now, your passion. It was really my mom and my grandmother and like seeing my, my Thea's like in the actual kitchen cooking and doing stuff and just the joy that food would bring people. And it was just like, we had family gatherings at least monthly, if not a couple times a year. And to see all of like my Thea's in the kitchen, everybody's cooking a specific dish. We all know that so like each, each one of them were going to bring something special that we couldn't get anywhere else. And then it would be like, you know, during the year, you know, your family arguments and your issues and yourself, your cousins and your aunts and your uncles and stuff. But then when you get to the dinner table, they bring that dish, they bring that food, they bring that something. And then it's laughter and, you know, your glasses of wine and your food. And it was just something that brought happiness to people. So watching them do that. And then my grandfather um, used to be the executive chef to the Moulin Rouge and the Brown Derby here at Hollywood back in the day. Uh, and I would hear his stories and him talking about his stuff. And it just, it brought so much joy to people that I thought, well, that's what I want to do. I want to bring happiness. I want to bring joy. I want people happy. And then just my mother had a, um, a uh, catering company in Mexico when I was a kid. And so I started with her. Wow. And it was just like, well, this is really fun. This is really exciting. This is something new, something different. And, and I started working with her and then I worked in, you know, a restaurant at like 16 in an internship and it just kind of snowballed from there. And it just grew into a passion where I just wanted to learn more. I wanted to travel. I wanted to eat. And it just kind of blew up from there. Mm -hmm. Wow. There you go. And again, sometimes it just gradually progresses from that, you know, that seed of inspiration and, and also in your DNA, really. I mean, it, there's a lot to be said about if your ancestors do these things and then you are exposed to them that you naturally are inclined to potentially end up doing the same thing, but doing your own way of doing it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's you, amazing. If you're, cause you have some kind of like famous chefs almost in your blood. Did you, did you ever feel like you had to live up to certain expectations or did you always, I'm just curious if that was ever. Well, you know, my mom always had a huge reputation when we were living in Mexico. I mean, everybody knew her for cooking. And so it was just like, Oh, her daughter just wants to, you know, try to follow her footsteps. I don't think she can. But then it was just like, after a while, mom started realizing that, oh, wow, you really know what you're talking about. You really, I mean, even to this day, she's like, she still questions my cook. She's like, oh, don't forget to do this. And don't forget to do that. I'm just like, yeah, mom, I know. She's like, oh, no, no. I was going to taught you. I'm just like, yes, but I, <laughs> I do know now. So you start to gradually get that respect after a while. So yeah, it took, it took a few minutes for the family to actually go, oh, she does know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Cause I always, I find that with people who kind of not, this is, not like riding on the coattails of, of those prior yeah. you know what I'm saying. And, and it tends, sometimes it almost tends to be like, some people think, Oh, well, you know, it's easy for her or easy for them or whomever, because you know, that's what they grew up with. But sometimes maybe it's more difficult because then you're really having to, like I said, kind of make pave your own path and really kind of prove yourself, I guess, to be. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, coming from a large family of, you know, cooks and you know well off and it was just like you'd bring something to the table and they're like oh my god that's delicious I'm like well wait a minute is it really delicious or are you guys like like do you guys really like it and, and then starting to do the competitions and starting to do these you know um these television shows and stuff like that then it started with like oh 
wow, you really, you know, you have this little talent here. You're not just, you know, pretending to or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. Well, when you talk about television shows and production, what was your, are you saying that you were on additional productions before Hell's Kitchen? Are you, are you, are you referring to that as well? Well, obviously Hell's Kitchen. Um, I've done a couple seasons on, uh, what is it? Cutthroat Kitchen. Okay. Um, with Alton Brown. And then I also did a season of uh, the first season of Top Chef Mexico in Mexico. Right. That's right. So, yeah. Right. So I've done a couple of those. And I'm all, you know, the um, food and wine in Aspen, Colorado. I was uh, the first female and the only American to actually represent the entire country of Mexico and the food and wine in Aspen. So that was pretty big, too. So that's incredibly huge. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. So uh, the natural progression I'm curious about is that with House Kitchen, um, what was that process like to be considered for the for the production to be brought into the production? Because I mean, we've had Mary Lou on the show a couple of times. And we've had Chef Nick Peters Bond from seasons 14 and 17 on. So we've learned a little bit about their process, including Chef Christina as well. And it seems that everyone has had a slightly different um, process to being into the production or being on the show. And so what was your process like, if you are willing to share that? Well, I, I applied years ago. Um, I saw I got, I got an ad for it. I'm like, ah, well, what the, what the heck? Why not? Just throw it in. And then never heard anything from them. Mm-hmm. And then this season, I'm actually I was actually in the grocery store with my son, and I get this phone call, and I'm like, "Hello, and the guest yeah, Chef Corey." And I'm like, "Oh, it's just some catering gig or something." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, oh, well, I'm so and so, one of the cast, you know, finders and this and that. And I'm just like, "I'm sorry, what are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, the group no trying to do for Hell's Kitchen. Um, your resume kind of got lost through the emails." And we had tagged you for the show, but we had forgotten about you and you got, you know, pushed aside. And I'm like, oh, so now you don't want me? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then it was just like, no, no, we wanted you. We kept like, for some reason, you just kept getting lost. You just saw your thing. We're actually finishing the casting right now. Can you come interview tomorrow? And I'm wow. like, what? And it, well, the good thing was it was already in LA. So it wasn't like I had to go far. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And you know, I kept going through the process and it was funny because the entire time they were just like, the only thing you have against you is your age. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because they were casting certain age groups for certain like guys and for girls. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, we, we wanted a certain demographic for females and certain, certain demographic for males. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, that oh well he's like well we're just so pushy through and see what happens and i went all the way through and they were just like absolutely yes can you go in like three weeks <laughs> i'm like okay we'll, we'll figure this out oh my god wow that's crazy you know what i, I find that with all of the, the people we've talked to um there's such a like uh just roll with the punches attitude kind of with all of you. And there's just, it's really inspiring. Like just to be like, yeah, okay, let's do this. Like, maybe that's, I don't know if that's a chef's attitude or if it's like a, um, but there's just this resilience I feel between all all of the, yeah, every person we've had on, including yourself, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, in the kitchen, you kind of have to roll with whatever you've got and whatever happens. I mean, there are chefs who are just like, I'm very regiment. It needs to be this way or that way. Cause if not, then I won't do it. Um, but yeah, like, you know, obviously Mary Lou's an amazing young woman and so is chef Christina. She is, 
I mean, extremely talented and has gone so far after this win. And I am extremely proud, you know, of what she's accomplished and what she's done. And even for like the, the women in the culinary industry, it's extremely hard for us to get our foot in the door and then gain respect and then maintain that respect. Mm, so, yes. Yeah, actually, that was something else I was going to ask you about if you if you've ever kind of come across over your years um, with any kind of backlash, perhaps of being a woman in the industry. Oh, of course. I mean, you figure I started when I was 16 yeah. in Mexico as an American. Um, yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't a fun experience. And it was extremely hard and trying. And it was, you know, very, very sexist. Um, and I hate to say it, but even very racist because it was, you know, why is an American trying to take a job from a Mexican national? And it was just like, well, I'm part Mexican. Like, well, no, you're not because you weren't born here. So you're an American. So it was a lot of that, you know, trying to deal with, well, well, my, my background and my heritage and my, you know, you're my people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was hard to kind of have to break through that ice. And then, you know, like I said, being a female and not looking, you know, 800 pounds and you know ugly it was just like i i am who i am i I look what i I look like i can't help that but yet i i want to cook i want to be passionate and it took you know a lot of times of no you can't get the job because you're a woman no you can't get a job because of the way you look no you can't get a job because we just don't want you here so i had a lot of those or not getting the promotion that i should have or not getting the pay that I should have, mm-hmm. you know, and people, you know, don't understand that, you know, the culinary world now from where it was over 20 years ago is completely different. I mean, you would get yelled at, you would get, you know, stuff thrown at you. I mean, it was, it was, extre- you had to have extremely thick skin to prove yourself. Right. But once I did prove myself in Mexico and once I did prove myself in the culinary world, it was just like, you have that, that platform where you're like, I've made it here. I can, you know, pull my own weight. I am respectful. And it took, it took a long time. But when I did finally get there, it was just like, okay, it was worth it. <laughs> right. I wonder, I wonder if, cause now you're making me think of uh, just the way how Gordon Ramsay portrays himself um, with being so harsh on people and all those kinds of things. And I know that a lot of that, most of that I think is for television because we've heard, you know, such wonderful yeah wonderful things about him um and i know yeah i just wonder like because that is kind of more of like an old school way of um doing things i don't know what i don't know what i'm asking there it's more of just a comment of what you said about no but it but it is you know every i feel that you know our generation are the new generation of culinary and and kids in general are not ever going to have that scream and yell and yeah Chef Ramsay is extremely vocal and he wants to perfection and wants to, but if you stop and think about it, he's never yelling at anybody to make them feel stupid or to make them feel bad. He's yelling at you because you're messing up. You're not listening. You're not doing what you're told. You say, yeah, 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 I got it. And then you don't. So he's kind of like a parent. He's yelling at you because you really aren't listening to what he's asking and you're saying you got it, but you don't. Right. Um, but even like off camera or we would win a prize and he would come visit or talk to us or entertain with us at the moment. He was such a genuine, true person. And a lot of people don't understand, like he's had a really rough past. Mm-hmm. He's had a really rough childhood and upbringing. 
and he has worked so hard for what he has now that he wants to make sure that the next generation of kids don't just get passed through, that they have to understand that there are sufferings and there are sacrifices and there are things that we have to go through. And, you know, it's just one of those things where if you don't have the tough skin in a TV show for a few minutes, then how are you going to last when you do encounter that chef that yells and screams just because he can? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I keep stealing the show here. Hero, do you have a question? <laughs> well, well, yeah. No, you're not stealing the show at all, but it's just you're giving a lot of insight to things that someone to the naked eye wouldn't think about, right? I mean, I've been watching... I'm a reality show addict. I mean, that's the one genre of television that I've grown up with, you know, yeah. like from as early as Survivor. Um, yeah. You know, so then seeing a show like Hell's Kitchen where I remember season one and I see all the progressions of these things and I'm growing up with it, you see the evolution of also Gordon Ramsay himself. You see the evolution of how he has matured, how he has grown up, how he has softened, how he has understood his understanding of coaching and developing people. And yeah, on TV, you are only getting a post-producted, edited, spliced, interpretive of what they want the viewer to see they're not showing you everything that is happening alongside um what your experience is so that's why i'm just kind of reflecting in the sense of what you go through is very very important and it's different and it's great to know that those experiences are genuine and authentic and sincere yeah absolutely and like i mean people who even travel outside of europe to work i mean you go to Mexico and you still encounter those chefs. You go to Europe and you still encounter those chefs. You go into, you know, anywhere else in the world and those chefs still exist and there's nothing you can say about it. Either you take the job or you don't, uh-huh. you know? And so it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, these kids here in the United States get a certain aspect of a chef, but you go outside the country and travel and it's a whole different world. Right. Right. I wonder what it's like in Canada. I mean, they call us the peacekeeping country, but I can imagine there are some pretty fiery kitchens out there. I'm sure there are. I would love to find out. <laughs> well, come on down. We're happy that always happy to have our American friends. Come yes, up. yes. Come up. Or come up. Uh, yeah. yeah, come up. <laughs> I got it, don't worry. <laughs> but. Yeah, no, it's because you have a, you said your son is 16? Yeah, he'll be 16 next month. Yeah, so, and, and just kind of what you're saying about, um, you know, how, you know, k- kids these days, I can't believe I'm old enough to even say that, but um, <laughs> just thinking about them going into the world and, yeah. and, and how much more, for a lack of a better term, kid-like gloves that we're, we're oh, yes. putting on them. And it, it's obviously transferred into the culinary world as well. Um, and I just... Like, how do, you, how do you deal with that with, with your son? Or how do you... I mean, it's hard because, you know, it's your kid and you love him. You don't want to hurt him. But then it's just like, I have to teach him that reality's not, you know, oh, it's okay. You're 20 minutes late to work today again. That's okay. Try next time. You know what I mean? I'm just like, no. And he, he, like, he gets mad at me sometimes. He's like, you're just too hard on me. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm yeah. letting you know what your boss is going to say when you're 10 minutes late every single day. Yeah. There's 18 kids behind you that want this job or this internship or this whatever. And just because, you know, you're nice and you deserve to have it doesn't mean you should have it. And you might get passed up because of some nephew or uncle or cousin who else is going to get the job because they're family or friends yeah. or just because of X, Y, Z. You never know. 
And you just have to be okay with it and understand that it's not you. It's the position was ready for you. So it's, you know, it's frustrating to see, you know, the generations change and evolve from like when our parents, you know, try to get jobs and went into work and how we went into work and how our kids are going to try to go into work. So it's, it's hard, you know, and it's hard to like teach him like, no, you're going to encounter this. You're gonna, no, you're not mom. That's, just, that's not fair. I'm like, well, life isn't fair and you just have to roll with it. And this is what you have to do when you come across. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Has he followed in mom's footsteps or the family's footsteps with cooking at all or not at all <laughs> what's it, so what's he doing what's he what's he's he thinking into about? like drawing um i i i foresee you know um engineer architect kind of thing because i mean that kid is so smart when it comes to building and creating and like he'll see like a boat or an airplane or a car or a train online and see how the mechanically it works and then be able to rebuild it or redraw it um, and create it in his own little, you know, way of masterpiece. Um, so he enjoys, he enjoys cooking with me sometimes. Um, but it's not, I, not even close. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my goodness. And there's, no, go ahead hero. <laughs> well, what I was going to ask you is that when you had your son, what was that process like in having your child and growing up in that situation? And again, I'm saying situations like as if I know a situation, I don't know what your situation was. So what was your situation like when you had your son and being in the industry you're in and establishing yourself? And because I know you said you were, again, progressions of where you were building it, getting there. So did you have your son in that process or did you have your son just based on circumstances where it eventually you felt secure and you knew like okay I've got this I'm gonna, I want to have a family I want to have a child and I feel I can balance both of these parts of my life I'm curious to know how all those balances came into play well it was extremely difficult um I had my son here in LA and then at one we went to Mexico Okay. Um, and having him in Mexico, first of all, you know, having home in Mexico and then having to get like a help, like a nanny to like help you with him while you are working, because that's what you want to do. Um, it was hard. It was extremely hard. You know, a lot of me, you know, my, my mom and dad had to help me out a lot through the career and helping with him and even financially. Um, it was extremely difficult, but it was one of those things where I had gotten so far already that I couldn't just stop. Mm -hmm. And I knew that this is, was my passion. This is what I needed to do. What I wanted to do. I didn't want to just settle being, you know, some housewife, the kid, just because now I have a son, yep. um, which is nothing wrong with that, but it just wasn't what I wanted. I mm -hmm. wanted to continue my career. I wanted to go further. I wanted to see how far I could go. Mm -hmm. um, and it was an extremely difficult and hard situation to have to go through and very trying and very frustrating. Uh, but once I did, go through it and pass through it and then get past all those hard moments. It was so satisfying to say, I did it. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, being a single mom, being in another country, having to depend on having a housekeeper, having to depend on your parents financially for things here and there, just to get you through certain stuff and still be able to give my son a happy, loving life in another mm -hmm. country with another language and another experience that I was given when I was a kid with my mom and my dad um, and being able to do that for him was, was truly satisfying after everything had gone mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. 
strong, strong, strong woman. I mean, it's, and you know, I love highlighting strong, fierce, independent women because, you know, it's, uh, especially in your industry, like, and I know something that this is sort of off top, well, not really off topic, but when we were talking to chef Christina, just back to, um, hell's kitchen for a sec, she was saying how, um, she would, she would always tell, I don't know if she told you this specifically, but she would tell people just wait, because after the show is done, like, it's just going to hit you like a ton of bricks. Although I know it's been different because of the pandemic, right. But she's just like with, um, you know, I guess popularity or like people recognizing you. I think my, my internet is unstable. Can you, can you hear me still? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, Oh my goodness. She basically just said, you know, take it slow, like sip it slow. It's kind of like getting drunk for the first time. Like don't take it all at the same time. Like just, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell you that once the show is over, like, you know, think things are going to happen. Although you've had some experience in the past with that stuff. So I think maybe um, with people like Mary Lou or, well, specifically I think Mary Lou was, was very shocked, but also very happy and humbled by everything. Um, Did you, did you find that at all? Yeah, it's different. I think for me, because, well, yeah, it is the difference in the time, which was for Chris, Chef Christina too. She thinks she waited like a year, year and a half, almost two years as well, just because of, you know, editing and whatnot. Um, Yeah. But when the show did come out and it was publicized, I'm still masked up from mm-hmm. here down. Mm-hmm. So I'd walk by people and they'd kind of like look at me, but I'm, how do you recognize me? Right. You know what I mean? Um, and it was funny because about a month or so ago, I was actually driving in my car in L.A. And this guy pulled up by next to him, like, and I'm, of course, I'm, I'm LA thinking, oh my God, are you going to try to like road rage me or something, you know? Um, and he's like, oh my God, you're Chef Corey from Hell's Kitchen, blah, blah, blah. And like, my girlfriend and I love you. I'm like, oh God, thanks. And I, you know, called up my, my husband right away. I'm like, oh my God, I just got recognized. And he's just like, that's amazing. I'm just like, this is so cool. And it never happened again. And it was just like, well, I've also been, you know, hiding behind this mask for the past you know, going on two years and then right. everything else. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if, if it does start to get recognized now that it's kind of coming off a little bit. So it's, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen. That's fair though. That's completely fair. And do you find that there have been, I don't know if there, if blessing is the right way to describe it, but do you find there have been certain maybe attributes of the pandemic that, maybe give you more insight and they give you more um, future planning in some ways to understand, okay, this happened. This happened during this. Okay. Well, now when we get out of this, it gives you some ability to prepare. It gives you additional time to think because you could win a contract. You could be awarded a prize, let's say, and you're thrown into it. And that's kind of been, as you said, that's been kind of delayed and potentially detoured. You know, it gives you that introspection in some ways that could be different. So do you find that could also benefit in certain ways or at least give a different trajectory, I guess? Well, yeah, because it definitely gave me time to really stop and think, what are you going to do when you do get the prize portion of the money? And what are you going to do when you, are you, do you plan on this? Are you planning on that? I mean, we're sitting here every night going, well, should we open a restaurant? Should we just do catering? Should we do a cooking show? Like, what should we do? And it's like, mm-hmm. There's a plethora of stuff to do. And then it's just like, 
do you want to continue this? Do you want to just travel? Do you, exactly. like, you know, it's one of those, what do we do? You know, like, like I've said, my son's going to be out of high school in three years. Do I want to go into a restaurant for another, you know, 10, 15 years? Or do I want to just travel? So we're trying to figure out like, okay, what are we going to do? What's, what's <laughs> our next venture and our next step? So I'm really looking at, I would, I would love to do something kind of like a, like a, almost like a like a television show kind of like an anthony bourdain travel right. food you know kind of kind of concept so we're, we're talking about that and we're looking at something maybe more into that because i mean mm -hmm. everybody loves to travel everybody loves to eat um everybody loves the reality shows and these television shows that are coming out so why not just kind of like kind of wave off of that yeah of course i'd put your own interpretive on it exactly isn't there yet and I also, and I think that with the, with the countries or with people opening things up now after the pandemic, people are just, I mean, for tourism and for, for like somebody to kind of see countries again and see what their food is like and all that kind of stuff. Like their countries are just desperate. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And I think that with people scared to travel, you know, even, but want to travel those reality shows on um traveling and food it's their way of traveling and getting out of the country without having to leave their couch yeah right Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you're right and you but you make a good point though in terms of travel restrictions and not for us even in the states not fully knowing what's going to happen in terms of regulating and integrating safely back into tourism into food and beverage and there's just so many things that are very um up in the air so sometimes there might be certain things that are more foolproof and there are certain things that might be a little bit more risky and unpredictable and so you, it kind of gives you that critical thinking to think all right well i can do all of these things but what's going to make the most sense with the knowledge that i have invested in me right now and then you just take it take that route and hopefully it works right exactly exactly so are, are you in touch with a lot of the hell's kitchen um, alumni now because now you're alumni. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like Chef Christine and I talk every once in a while. Um, obviously, Mary Lou and I are pretty close, um, and then obviously with like some of the contestants on our actual show, I've been you know talking to and stuff. So here and there, you know, Chef Jason and I talk to. Um, so it's definitely you know you get your little click of who you talk to and who you, you know you know conversate with and what your experiences were, what their experiences are and stuff. So. Yeah, we did talk a little bit. Yeah, it was so cool to see just because, um, you know, that you were able to go to Las Vegas and be there for the finale and yes. sit there. And what what was that like? Because like you said, it had been so long. Like, I mean, when's the last time you had been there? Gosh, I don't know. Uh, I think the last time I was there was when it was the show. Um, so being able to be there, especially with Mary Lou and Cody, they're such amazing people um, and experience with that and just have fun and get entertained and go see yeah. stuff together. So it was, it was a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. It is amazing because me and Rachel are looking at people in Vegas seeing like masks are off and people like hunt thousands, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people are like literally touching bodies in, in the street. <laughs> and we're like, okay, is this actually, one, is it safe? And two, I hope there's no repercussions in terms of the health system from this. And I hope there hasn't been. <laughs> yeah, well, and like I said, we're, we are still very cautious on what we're doing only because you just don't know. Um, and there are people out there with or without masks. And it's just like, you know, each to his or her own. And, you know, getting vaccinated or not getting vaccinated. And it's just one of those things where 
we just kind of have to slowly see how this goes along and still just take our precautions and still just be safe and just, you know, hope and pray that, you know, we do get to open up fully and everything is safe after the summer. Yes. And get these kids back into school. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But wait a sec. So that means, does, was your son not in school this past year? Oh, no, not at all, which was great. I mean, he got great grades and he did good and stuff, but it, I mean, you keep a 15 year old boy inside a house all <laughs> yep. year long and then not let him out. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> My God, it's just, it's so incredible just to see the world and just how every country, how every, everyone was doing it a little bit differently or, you know, how things were going. And I know Los Angeles was bad, really, really, yeah. really bad while there. Um, but like, how is it now? Is it feeling a bit better? It's starting to, like, you can start to see people open up and do more, but there are very, you know, those very reserved just, I don't want to go out still. I don't want to do anything still. I'll only go out if I absolutely have to. Yeah. Um, and then you get the ones that are just like, I'm free, <laughs> you know, walking around. Um, so you've got a little bit of both right now. So like I said, it's still, everybody's still kind of like, well, do I put my mask on? Do I have to? Can I keep it off? Like everybody's just like, I don't know what to do. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, and we, and we talk a lot about on the show about mental health um, challenges and those kinds of things as well, because here and I both both have our share of a plethora of, of mental health challenges and those kinds of things but these times especially like it's just you know it's 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 been harshly for restaurants right so for yeah you figure what LA lost I think it was like eight million employees in the restaurant industry lost their jobs and i think it was like two or three days so Whoa. you can imagine it was like and then i mean it was like everybody who's in the culinary restaurant bar hospitality lost their job within maybe 24 to 48 hours oh my god and then now you're all of a sudden you're you're the city just you know like new york like uh vegas vegas for instance I had a friend down there in Vegas. You would see the strip, and it was nobody. A, the strip. Wow. You know, New York. Yep. Nobody. And wow. to see those actual in live moments of some of the biggest and craziest cities in the world, mm -hmm. nobody's outside. And you're like, whoa. And then you, you said you're locked up at home. Some people had mm -hmm. someone to be with. Some people had people to be with it that they, they hated after a while. You know, all the kind of, you know, alcohol, drug, depression, um, eating disorders, eat, whether you are or aren't eating. Um, just everything just hit everybody differently. And it was just one of those things where you kept telling, oh, well, it's almost over, it's almost over, it's almost over. And then after, you know, three months, six months, eight months, 10 months, two months, you know, it was just like, when is this really going to be over? Uh -huh. You know, and some cities did a great job on taking care of, you know, rent and helping people out with food and helping people out with, you know, medical or whatever. And some cities did it. And it was just, it was hard to see other countries, other cities, other people go through goods and bads it was just kind of like you just kind of have to ride out the storm and just pray that we make it mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and then just the repercussions now of like i mean I'm, i can't imagine how many businesses have had to close and i don't yeah. know if, if if you've seen in la if there's lots of empty for lease spaces or 
those kinds a of things. A lot, and like, it's so hard to see businesses that, that you grew up as a child, your parents grew up as a child, you know, generations, and it was a mom-and-pop restaurant that had been open for 30, 40, 50 years, have to shut down. Right. Or, you know, lose everything to the riots that went on. You know what I mean? And then it was just like one thing after another, or not being able to pay their rent. And it was just, it's it's so heartbreaking to see the ones that could or couldn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And in terms of businesses that might have closed down um, and in L.A., because, I mean, me and Rachel don't know L.A. super well, are there any businesses that weren't yeah. able to make it um, that, of course, not just yourself, but the entire community um, had to go through, had to process? Like, were there a few restaurants oh, yes. that, you can, that you can... Of course. I mean, I, I saw a couple of restaurants that I'd worked at not reopen because of, and I'd call, you know, chef friends and people I'd work with and I'd hired or people who I knew like, Hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing construction or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And it was just like, wow, what are you planning on doing? And a lot of, and then the horrible thing is now people that are on unemployment don't want to go back to work because they're making more money on unemployment than they are when they're actually working. So the restaurants are you suffering even more now because now that they're open and they can work. It's just like, Oh, I don't want to go back to work because I'm making more money staying at home. Yes. So it's just like, wait a minute. We need to get this money coming back into our city. You need to get back to work. But now people are just so comfortable and saying, oh, well, I just don't want to work anymore. Right. So that's hard too. So well, that's true. Why you might not want to open a restaurant? <laughs> They're like, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where it's just like, I want to, but then it's just like, there's so much backlash right now. It's just like, Oh, do I really want to? And then what, God forbid, what happens if this comes back again and we get shut down again? Yeah. You know, so there's so many more being patient and trying to figure out what's going to happen. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. That's totally understandable though. You're right. So it's about being strategic and finding a format or a method that is as foolproof as can be. Yeah. So it makes totally, totally understandable. Um, in terms of your own experiences, your own wisdom, um, I mean, taking it back again, even to childhood growing up, um, I know you expressed your childhood in terms of cooking, in terms of career, but it would be, I would love to hear any additional little um, experiences that were formative in your earlier years that kind of brought you to where you are now. Well, you know, like um, my dad owned his own construction company uh, when I was younger. Um, and then that's when he's just, it was a big, it was a big part of LA that the construction industry, um, kind of dove and just died. So my dad sold his construction company and we had friends and family that had lived in Mexico. Um, and my dad has been riding motorcycles and surfing since he was a kid. Um, so we moved to Mexico because of my dad and my mom and your mom being in a wheelchair in Mexico in the nineties was extremely difficult. Uh -huh. Um, but just to see how my parents went through difficult moments and struggled a little bit, but still, you know, went through it. You know, it wasn't like we were living a life of luxury in Mexico. It was, you know, paycheck to paycheck, oh. and, you know, having to save the money to splurge on something or to pay this, to pay that. And, but to see them always be like, Hey, we've got, you know, no money for Christmas, but let's go to the beach and have a good day. Or we don't have any money for this, but you know, Hey, let's, let's put something together in a pot and just have a good day. And so it was, it was nice to see the struggle that my mom and my dad went through and still came out smiling. And it was just, you know, don't ever give up. You know, you're going to get kicked down. You're going to get pushed down, but just don't give up and just keep on going. And to have 
that and to see that with them really inspired me to just say, hey, you're going to get kicked down. You're going to get in the dirt. You're going to, you know, not have money for, you know, rent and food, but you'll get it somewhere somehow. So it was just nice to see them enjoy their lives no matter what and enjoy their lives to the fullest and just keep on pushing and just keep on, you know, going. So I, I learned a lot from both of them. Yep. Yep. That's very true. And I'm sure the impact of current life and how once you again, too. that word of resilience. Resilience. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. <laughs> How's your Wi-Fi, Rachel? It's okay. I think again. I think my internet was not great. <laughs> it was a bit delayed there. I think that's okay. It's going through a heat wave too. <laughs> yeah, literally, technology is melting. Maybe, maybe I'm not. I don't know. We've like I, I know back to the weather again, but li literally, we did hit um, like crazy records, like that no one has ever seen. So. It's been, yeah, it's been crazy. And then it's like, you know, tell me that, um, um, climate change. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I okay. used to live in Mexico, so we would get those heat waves and the humidity and that, that hot. And so I, trust me, I totally understand. I've been there where you're in the shower in a cold shower sweating and you're just like oh my god i would go to the grocery store or to the movies on purpose just to sit in air conditioning <laughs> yeah 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 exactly well even like we're like one of the jobs that i'm working right now i even called my manager and said can i come in early because <laughs> i need to be in air conditioning and you know she said actually i need some more help so yes like come in and, <laughs> and cool off and so the first half an hour i was just sitting there just being like I'm just going to cool off for a second and get my brain operating and then I can start doing my job, you know? So, yeah, I I had a good friend of mine. Um, she had just had a newborn in Mexico and I had my son and it, we were sitting there in our patios going, Oh my God, it's just too hot. What do we do? And we're like, let's go to Walmart. And we would legit take our kids to Walmart and we would walk around Walmart for hours yeah just to stay inside the air conditioning and buy maybe yeah. like one thing. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just saying, like, in terms of heat waves and everything, too, I mean, it, the state of British Columbia and um, Vancouver as well, we're in a position now where it is highly vaccinated with the first doses, and that second doses are getting, um, they're getting pretty up there, too. Like, I don't have my, my age demographic primarily doesn't have a second dose yet, um, unless if they were advanced or they were in an industry that where they had priority. Right, exactly. But in terms of our state of getting to that herd immunity with the vaccinations, we can now start actually tomorrow, July 1st. July 1st for, for British Columbia, at least, is the main reopening. Like we have one on September 1st, which will include like more indoor spectators of sports and release travel restrictions. But July 1st is really the main major reopening date tomorrow. So wow. you can see that when these heat, the heat wave coming, people are like, oh, okay, if we weren't comfortable going into these environments to stay cool now, we might take that risk to be like, okay, we need to go to a mall. We need to go to a movie theater that can hold 50 people max. Like we can go do these things, you know, because yeah. if we are going to die in our homes we got to take a risk and be evaluated in that way too so you know there are some perks to reopening i guess you could say 
Exactly. And I think, I think for people for mentally and emotionally, they need it too, because like I said, being trapped in your home by yourself or with your, your intimate loved ones, whether you get along with them or you don't, you still need that interaction with people. Yeah. And space too. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> like it's definitely something to reconsider that too. You can love anyone you want, however you want, friends, family, relationships, and no matter how extroverted or introverted one might be, you need to have that space for yourself to recharge and to reflect and know that that's healthy. That's human nature. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Corey, um, just before, because I, what time is it right now? Well, just as we kind of wrap up here, um, what can we tell our listeners that you, I know you're working on your salsa and there's like, is there a newsletter or like, because um, it's not, right. But I guess for the salsa, there's not, it's not quite launched yet. So there's like a wait list or is there a, a way that we can know when that's launched and people can purchase so i'm just finishing up the website getting it all taken care of um and i'm in the process now of starting like a pre-launch like a pre-sale for the salsa so i'm assuming mid-july is when i'll have that pre-sale on the website um and then obviously follow me obviously on the instagram the chef cory la or the mama cory salsa um I'll, I'll start announcing my website and i'll start announcing the pre-sale and i'll start announcing all of that so that we can start getting it hopefully to Canada soon. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. Cause I mean, Canada has a big love for Mexican based cuisine. I know Vancouver has a huge love for yes. that. There's always a taqueria opening up. There's always something that's based in Mexican cuisine opening up modern or traditional. So it would do very well in Vancouver for sure. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to Canada? Corey? Not yet. I've got a lot of friends and family that I have our friends out, out there in Canada. Um, yes. They've always tried to bring me out there and, just was just never worked out at the moment. Um, but definitely I would love to go to Canada. I hear it's beautiful up there. It is very, very beautiful. And Rachel as well is in a place where I think it was very resonant with lots of chefs. Um, cause she's in Okanagan and wine country, basically similar to, oh, wow. Napa, to Napa, as far as what people would compare it to equivalence wise, but Vancouver as well, um, is a hotspot for famous culinary cuisine and chefs that are world renowned and stuff. And, you know, like even like, uh, I think it's David Chang, like he's opening up Momofuku in Vancouver as well. Oh, wow. So, like there are some major, major big chefs that we have already had, but some major names that are coming in and that want to be part of this market. Um, oh, fun. So it's pretty neat to see that development. And I mean, like, like uh chef, like Daniel Ballou, I mean, he had a couple restaurants wow. here in Vancouver, um, no wow. longer, but he had a couple restaurants here for the longest time. So yeah, it's cool. Definitely come down and check it out. Oh, well, in that case, we'll see you soon, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. There's some great food, for sure. Me and Rachel can always give you some suggestions as well. Okay. Um, one, of the, one of the questions we'd love to ask our, our friends that come onto the show um, is if you could be a kind of juice, as it is to Getting Juicy podcast, what juice would you be and why? Ooh. I would be... I would be a pineapple juice. Okay. Since pineapple is the staple of hospitality, I would be ah. pineapple juice. Interesting. Can, oh. you, can you explain that a little bit? Like, would, so, would you symbol of that? Uh, so the, the, the hospitality, you know, every, you know, industry has a little, you know, symbol or whatever. 
right. um, hospitality is pineapple because we wear a crown on our head. We are rough on the outside, but we're sweet on the inside. Oh, that is so brilliant. I never looked at it like that before. Yeah. It's something new I learned today. I like that. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being patient and coming on to our podcast. Uh, we really appreciate thank you. being able to pull the mask off of those <laughs> that come on, you know, mind the pun. Um, and yeah, just for being real and anything that me and Rachel can do to further support and, you know, promote and be part of your journey going forward, please let us be part of it. And we will be happy to do what we can within our power. Well, thank you guys, both of you guys, and please stay cool if you guys yes. can find a find a cold spot somewhere. Yeah, um, and yeah, and like yeah. I said, as soon as the salsa thing starts come up, um, send me you guys' addresses, and I would love to send you some samples to see what you oh guys think. That and is so we'll, sweet you know, of you. Talk and eat one day soon. That would be fantastic. We would love that, Corey. Thank you so much. Love it. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.